the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now, Healthcare now. with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayak. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now the Studios. Healthcare now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones on this Thursday. How you doing, Larry? Good evening, Dr. Mark. As always, we've got a full table full of information. I we hope the really listeners do. are uh, ready to sit back and take it in. You know, we're, we're in this uh, January sort of slump time here where all the holidays are done and right. people are sort of getting set and back to work. It's hard to believe it's already the 20th of January. It, yeah, I know. I'm not sure what happened to 2021. We always talk about time flying, but when you look back, COVID really changed a lot of things because now we're sort of... Sort of like uh, it, it kind of erased some time for a lot of people, and uh, it is. It's uh, it's really yeah. been, been an interesting experiment on the uh, human race, I think. And you know, I'm hoping before 2022 is over, we're not going to start the show off with a COVID update. Absolutely, I'm sure we'll find plenty of other good things to talk That's about right. because I think uh, Washington get, keeps us busy enough with new news. But let's let's talk a little bit about yeah. COVID 19, and then we can yeah. move on to the rest of the show. But uh, we've got lots of new cases here in Florida, we do. and uh, we're always uh, Florida focused, and we've got about over 43 thousand new cases and yep. steady steady up in hospitalizations but I will tell you that the latest data just I got yesterday actually showed fewer hospitalizations than, than a week that's ago right. that's right well the uh, omicron surge continued to ease as we just ended with a 7 day average the lowest that we've had in yeah. several months yeah yeah and that was that was the I think that was the scary piece when it sort actually, of bounced since up since December 30th since yeah. December 30th yeah, right since December 30th yeah now so if we think about the dates now one of the things that we worry about is is the the gatherings for the holidays. And so we're now just beyond where you would think those infections would have bumped, right? Right, right. So maybe that, yep. that sort of explains things. But all the way through this period, Larry, we really didn't see the illness in the ICUs and no. the deaths. Um, so in as much as there's data to say that, well, maybe the vac- vaccine isn't as effective in stopping the spread yeah. of Omicron, something is different about this. Bug. Yeah, well, the percentage of ICU beds is way down compared to what it was at the height of the pandemic. Right. And, 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 and understanding that right. that the numbers of new cases are way up. So that's that's yeah. a that's sort of the, the direction we want to see an exit to this well, pandemic. You know, there's another thing that's happening, too, is testing levels across the state have begun to drop off. Sure. Also, positivity rates have also begun to fall. Right. You, you bring up testing levels. Yep. We were talking about this before we the were. show. What about all those free home COVID tests? I don't know, Larry. I have not ordered them. Yeah. Well, on your next tax bill at the end of the year, you're going to get a bill for those 500 million tests that uh, the federal government paid for. No, it is. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. I I got a phone call from a friend yesterday, and I know he and I have already had this conversation. He had COVID. He was minimally symptomatic, and he was talking about going out and getting another test. And I was like, well, you know, don't. There's no. There's no reason. Right. And so he's like, well, how how do I know when I'm done with the quarantine? It's very simple. You can have five days of quarantine, and if you have no symptoms. 
symptoms, you're clear. You don't get another test. Right. So he calls me again yesterday, about two weeks later from that first conversation to say, well, I ordered my tests. I'm like, for what? He goes, yep. well, you know, I, 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 you know, I've got friends that they're, they continue to test positive, yep. but they don't have any symptoms. So they just want to keep taking the test till they're negative. I said, so what's the point? It, it, what is the point, Larry? <laughs> That's right. You know, and, and, but he did. He asked a good question. He said, how do the tests work? And I think people are stuck that the idea that the test is actually seeing live active virus they're antigen yep. tests, right? So the antigens can still be present right. without the virus being active and within the cells. And we've we've seen a lot of people, not only friends, but our own employees and families, a lot of sniffles, a oh, lot yeah. of head colds, a lot of sore throats, yep. but it goes away in two or three days and they're fine. Right, right. So, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what day of the week uh, and what your situation is. I'm not trying to minimize is. this. Don't get no. me wrong, Dr. Mark. No, but we've when people had are a sick, lot of sick. deaths. Yeah, we've had a lot of deaths in Florida Absolutely. and a lot of hospitalizations, but I will tell you, as of yesterday, I've got the numbers, 64.2% of Floridians are fully vaccinated and 35.8% of all Floridians have received booster shots. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, we're really that making the numbers. To grow. Yeah, it does continue yeah. to grow. And yeah. then add to that the number of people who have been exposed to Omicron. Yeah. And so they, you know, it's at least for a period of time, their antibodies are up. So they should yeah. be, they should be vaccinated. Well, in the last seven days, we've had 91 deaths in Florida and a total deaths of over 63,000. Right. For since the, since, whole, since the thing whole thing started. started. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. But but I think over the over the last week, the, the rate is definitely not what we saw last year. Yeah, it's definitely know. coming down. So maybe, you know, we've, we've talked about this before. I can't. We need to get a virologist on to talk a little bit about the why. Like what the, we know about the mutations on the outer body with the with the spike proteins. Right. But we don't know what's different about the way the virus acts. And and that would be interesting to know and talk about. But clearly the, the clinical evolution of this is it's spreading like wildfire. Yep, it is. Way more people in our own groups then, than we know have And then have on it. top of it being spreading so easily, Dr. Mark, everybody's politicizing this, sure. not only on the federal, but even the local level. Oh, yeah. And they're trying to intimidate people to get, right. the, get the vaccine. Yeah, our, and that's not the way to get yeah, it done. Yeah, yeah. you saw our, our county yeah, medical director, uh, Doctor Pena. Yeah, 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 or yeah, Pino. Yeah, Pino, 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 Pino. Yeah, Raul he, Pino. Yeah, yeah, so he he was chastised yeah. and put on the sidelines for yeah. for basically a, a comment that is Which what I he thought believes. was very appropriate. It is. It's just not yeah. politically correct. That's right. That's right. And that's I, I don't say that tongue in cheek. That's yeah. exactly well, what it, it was. Sounds like a lot of including our the mayor of Orlando, Demings, yeah. is coming to his defense. So oh, I for think sure. uh, this is going to straighten itself out. Well, well, I mean, we've got. Uh, again, we just talked about two Democrats versus yep, yep. a Republican governor. Exactly. And and there's, you know, it's it's everybody's everybody's doing the best they can. And, you know, in, yep. in local government, local government is yep. extremely important. Right. And we need to uh, sort of stay on the same page. But, yeah, th- this seemed a little vindictive. It did. Well, you know, another thing, right after we aired last Thursday night, Dr. Mark, the Supreme Court blocked the OSHA mandate and upholds CMS healthcare worker rule. Right. And I thought that was interesting. The Supreme Court, it, you know, it was in the lower courts that it had been overturned. Right. The Biden administration ruled that every employer with over 100 employees had to be vaccinated, I believe, by the, January 13th. Right. Vaccine like mandate. Yeah, the, vaccine the, mandate. The ultimate of the vaccine mandate. Well, the Supreme Court has finally, in a six to three decision, blocked that enforcement that if you're OSHA, if you have an op- occupational safety and health administration 
company right. that is overseed by OSHA, then you had to get mandated. Yeah, you so had they, to they get blocked vaccinated. That. So, so they blocked all they that. They blocked all that, yeah. but they did keep the exception for yeah. health care. In a five to four decision, the court upheld the CMS mandate. Court mandates requires health care facilities to establish a policy ensuring eligible workers that that have to be vaccinated with the exception of religious beliefs or recognized medical conditions. Right. And so the yeah. and the way they tie that in is these are groups that, that have Medicare or Medicaid programs. Gotcha. They're they're government funded. And so we can step in with that that governmental thing. So that, that was really that was really the piece there, right? Because it was interesting. OSHA it was breaking news right after we came off the air yeah. last well, week. Well no, right after actually yeah. we, we taped it just a few hours that's before right. we were on that's the right. air. Right. right. Yeah. That's we right. we kinda went, Oh gee, we kinda missed out on <laughs> that. Right. So we're we're that's trying right. to make it closer to live. Exactly. But yeah, no, that was that was interesting. And if you listen to the arguments, I, I can see both sides there. And I don't yeah. think the outcome was that surprising. No. But it was definitely a compromise, right? Yeah. I mean, because to still come back and say, if you are involved in Medicare or Medicaid, then yes, we can we can have that mandate. Well, you know, it was kind of interesting. Let, let me point a couple things out. Although Congress indisputably gave OSHA the power to regulate uh, those mandates right. and vaccinations, the Supreme Court ruled that it does not give the agency the power to regulate public health that broadly. And, again, and I thought that was interesting. Again, it makes sense. And now, what we're talking about is 84 million employees oh, yeah. in a uh, hundred or more employers. Right. Right. And, and, you know, we're both vaccine, you know, pro vaccine. Exactly. However, yeah. this makes sense. Of course. Because, you know, you, you're, we, we saw this a bit with the CDC in this whole process. We saw different groups taking on responsibilities and coming up with discussions that really weren't part of what they have done historically. And to have OSHA step in with this is outside of the realm of how OSHA should operate. Well, you know, it's interesting. There were already 24 states that had blocked that mandate. Yes. And now the rest of them and now the whole country is blocked. Yeah, 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 so it was yeah. interesting. But uh, I think our Supreme Court justices really err on the side of conservancy. Well, of course they do. As yeah. well I mean, as that's, that's the way the seating sense. is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, again, I think that a lot goes into the selection of these these Supreme Court justices. And there's so much politics getting them there. But but yeah. the experience has been yeah. is once they're there, I mean, the, the people that they are to get to that position, to be considered yeah. as a nominee. It's incredible. E- even if they're yeah. labeled conservative or liberal, they're much closer to the center. They are. I mean, I'm sure there's exception historically. But yeah, I think I think the, uh, the, the justices currently. Are are not? I mean, they're they're not following the yeah. political news and trying no, to make. No, make they it, don't even care about the look, political. News. I mean, they're really doing what they're yeah. what we expect them to be doing. Well, you know, Doctor Mark, I think the one thing that a lot of people rec, uh, struggle with, and, mm-hmm. and is that when you think about people being vaccinated, and you think about this now, this pandemic is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. You right. struggle with if you're pro vaccine, you can't understand why people don't get the vaccine. Right, but. You also have to understand that people have rights, sure. and that's why we're a free country. Right, right. And whether you like it or not, yep. you know, being being American and being free is not easy. You're, you're you're allowed to have your opinion. You're allowed to have your opinion, whether other people like it or not. Right. And right. I get, I'm totally blown away of people that says I'm not going to get vaccinated. Right, right. I've but, got some people in my own family yeah, that feel that way. Yeah, and and I think the difference personally here with with you and I talking about it mm-hmm. is is we have not connected politics and this 
level of health care. So, you know, I mean, yeah. that's, we just haven't bothered to do that. Right. And right. we've really looked more at science and, and yep. comfort and, you know, what we've tried to risk bring reward. And, yep. and I mean, that's that's sort of where we are. And and I, we have we have a lot of folks that are in our circles that are disagree yeah. with that. But I do feel as we've talked about this, when you start throwing out the word mandate, it's just a, it's just a bad idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, you it's know, not, I think it's not the way Americans think. We talked think. about Dr. Uh, Pino, Raul Pino, the yes. uh-huh. health department director in Orange County. Mm-hmm. You know, he the reason he came out and made that statement in an email is 13 percent of the public health officials in the health department are actually vaccinated. Yeah, only 13 percent. I was 13%. I was really shocked. And he really was. He was speaking out yeah. of emotion. And let's think about what he's been up to for the last few years. Right. Yeah. He is in the yeah. middle of this. He is seeing yeah. day in, day out, 24 seven. So he's just frustrated. Yep. And he was he was making a statement. Now, on the other but hand, I don't even think the Ameri- the the pub the people of Florida and Orlando even understood that the public health department was that low in vaccination. No, that's pretty shocking. Actually, that was very shocking. I mean, just yeah. what we've talked about in in the hospitals, how they were running about a 50 percent rate. So yeah, yeah. we're 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 definitely th- those are surprising yeah. things. But I guess if you're gonna if you're gonna live in politics, even if you're a physician, you got to be able to uh, make sure you curb your comments, especially when they're uh, when they're written and they can be repeated. Well, you know, our governor has made it very clear. Each family has to decide what they need to do. Correct. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. But Dr. Mark will be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Good evening, folks. And we've got more to talk about. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. And so we're all, we're all done with the uh, COVID conversations. And, we're not and, going to talk about that anymore you know, today. Well, it's kind of, we, I, we better not make promises. Or <laughs> well, that's but, true. But no, I think that, uh, and we did, we kind of stretched that one out because of the local news. But again, we're back at a point where we're seeing less information. And, and in this case, the less we hear, the better. So let's well, talk you know, about some more interesting Dr. things. Mark, mm-hmm. we're getting back to more of of a normal living condition. That's what we all hope. That That's is what, what we, we all hope. Yep. All right. But uh, let's see. Payment and insurance. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, there was a physician survey done. 2021 was the most challenging year on record for U.S. physicians. After the lockdowns and telehealth surge of 2020, the, the 2021 year was very, yeah, very strange. Very difficult. And you can relate to that, Dr. Mark, because it affected you personally. It, it did. And, you know, we talk about the number of retirements, um, the number yeah. of yeah. healthcare workers mm-hmm. that have 
have have left healthcare, and it is. It's been a huge strain outside of just the patient right. flow. Right, a huge strain on the on the healthcare workforce, physicians, and other yeah, providers. Well, talk included. a little bit about when the hospitals shut down because you do a lot of surgeries in right. the outpatient surgery centers. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, if we go back to the original the original pandemic when it was first announced, and and there was a lot of you know, as we look back, it was there was a lot of panic really, mm-hmm. and they I think economically at the hospital there were shutdowns for all elective cases, yep. uh, and th- and that you couldn't even do elective no, cases. You, no, right? you couldn't do anything. Anybody that had to. It was actually just across the board. You just couldn't do elective cases, and and they right. were they were needing the operating rooms. And then in in this most recent time, it's more about the staff. It's not so much about how many rooms are available, or how many beds are available, because as we started to come back from from those shutdowns, the thought was, well, you can do elective cases, but not if they're going to have to spend the night because they're going to take a bed. Well, those beds are available, but, but the nurses no staff aren't. to yeah. to cover them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so that's that's where we have remained because right. that continued to get worse over time. Time, and that's where we are today, yeah, Larry. We, not only do you see that in healthcare, you really see it in the restaurant and food industry right now. You are saying the truth. I yep. mean, anywhere you go, it's incredible. There's, there. I tell you, the only people making any money are the ones that print up higher signs. Yep. You know, we or have a big takeout. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't believe you go into a restaurant and you may wait 15 minutes and you see 10 tables that are empty. Yeah, but they don't have anybody to serve those tables. Nope, and and even even the takeout and delivery yeah. is is having yeah. and I know our listeners are experiencing this. Absolutely, because we are. But you know, going back to on healthcare, this medical economics survey that talked about you know physicians' challenges in 2021, they were asked by far what is the biggest issue, including staffing, that you deal with as a physician, and you're gonna Eat this up, Dr. Uh, Mark. It's the same old yeah, administrative right. burdens right. and dealing with electronic health records. Right. E- EMR, electronic Go ahead. medical records. You're on. Well, <laughs> it's amazing. That you know, for the for the bulk of the time that we've been on, I'll go on my rant about the exactly. HR being the worst thing right. that all of us have seen. So now, all the physicians today have have just gotten you know into and hopefully nearly through their first pandemic, right? Yep, that's right. And what do they still say is the worst thing ever? EMR. Administrative burden. That's <laughs> so, right. I mean, that says a lot. Yep. When we can we can not say, oh my gosh, you know that that pandemic that that was that was the killer. But yeah, we and it's interesting during the pandemic, and you know we're doing value based care and we manage thousands of lives in our own organization. We saw a lot of authorizations being eliminated. Yes. Obviously, telehealth became a big deal. And paid Physicians for Physicians were used and paid for it at, at an office right. level, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, yep. and, and we saw a lot of things that were positive for the physician practice, but they're still struggling with all these issues of administrative burden. And really, administrative burden is as you go to the next level and we talk about, you know, what dollars are spent on. We talk about hospitals and insurance companies, and it's those administrative costs that are just destroying the system. So it's not just that work burden in the time, but it's literally the cash that is laid out for all that coverage. And it's it's very frustrating. I think very, very much so for a a healthcare provider, we typically don't spend a lot of time learning about administration. Well, you know, we're in a time of change right now in healthcare, Dr. Mark, to where even today, over 50% of the insurance payers have gone to some type of a value-based program. Yes. And so when you're moving from a FIFA service environment to a value-based environment, there's a lot of administrative right. pressures that become not only that the EMR has not right. been built for. Yeah. You know where I'm oh, going absolutely. with Absolutely. And actually, yeah. you kind of back up. So so historically, since, since insurance has been around... 
fee for service means you perform a service and you're going to get paid for it. And initially it was kind of across the board. This is what you're going to get paid. And then the insurance companies really started to tweak that. All the systems Mm -hmm. were built around what you just said. Right. That was it. Early on. That was it. That's right. Not looking at really no other data, no metrics, no measurements. That's right. right? That's right. And so, so the next challenge for providers was that, that now insurance companies were saying, well, you know what? I don't have to pay everybody the same. I can negotiate with this person over here or that person over there and I can change what I'm going to pay you. And so providers now started to hire people to work on these contracts, to pay attention, to say, boy, you know what? We, this, yeah. this one just got cut. I need to call. They're going to spend enormous numbers people of dollars like and us. hours. Right. Yeah. And so they're, they're doing that. So that, that went on for decades. Yep. And now there's this shift in focus and it started with the insurance companies just not negotiating anymore. Yeah. Well, they just actually, said, this is what you, this is it. True. And, and, and well, the value-based movement kind of went, you know, they said, I'm not going to negotiate fee for service right. because we're going to force everybody into a pay-for-performance right. environment. Right. And that's but, where we but are But I today. really feel like that was a secondary message, that mm-hmm. the first message was that we're just not going to, we're not going to negotiate. You're absolutely right. And, and yeah. if it was, hey, you know, actually there's a better way and this is the better way. So now there was, so there was really a very dark period. And, and I think we're now emerging on this other side of, there was always risk. There's risk base where of people course. say, well, listen, we'll pay you more, but we're, you have to take the risk that if you don't perform, that you're going to pay up. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that, Dr. Mark, when you say that there was a dark period, because you're right. There was a period when payers said, I'm not going to raise yes. your FIFA service rates. Yep. Not even going to talk to you about it. Exactly. And then and then introduce pay for performance. Right. And then introduce and take it one step further to value-based care. We're going to give you an opportunity yep. if you can improve outcomes Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lower cost and provide better access for health care will pay you right. a bonus for doing that right. with your patients. So so the insurance companies came out first with the stick. That's right. And now That's the right. carrot. That's right. So and we're living in the in the uh, the era of the carrot now you and I we because are. we've we seen this to be a very effective way to manage patient care. And so so you have that side of when I when we manage as a provider, we manage the patient care more effectively, right. the outcomes are better. And hey, actually, we can keep the office open because we can afford to pay the folks yeah. that are going to do this. Yeah. But you pointed out, this creates another level of data metrics that we have to collect, another level of administrative work. And and at least if it's you're justified. In, and if you're a primary care physician in multiple value-based programs, you're getting overwhelming data yes. on your patients right. that you and your staff can't manage. No, 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 you, no. That's a whole. You it's, know exactly it's, it's where created, I'm going. Right, and so so we have all these uh, organizations now that have been birthed to take care of yeah. that information, and then the insurance companies will say, "Well, well we've got that data. Yeah. We'll let you know." Yeah. But then that's after the fact. Yeah. So Can we I make need a prediction, Doctor Mark? Please. I think that value-based care is going to continue, but I also think that beginning to 2023 and several years forward, more large employers are going to move to self-insured programs sure. and simplify yeah. their health care products. Right. This, and, and that self-insured is is a different method of risk. Yes. Right. So they don't. You're paying you're claims, paying, not yeah. premiums. Right. So you're, you're looking, you're, you're now in the game. You've got skin in the game. It's your own cash to lose or to save. And if you can save and manage patients in a better way, that money comes back to you right. in the way of less claims sure. versus playing a flat premium to to an insurance company who makes billions of dollars in profits every right, year. Right, right. And, and the insurance companies don't really have much say in it because they're having no. to develop a new product that will cover the overages, Sure, but, but they're not getting the everyday. Right. So maybe that 
is one of the things that's going to help curb those exhaustive well, profits that we see in these big insurance companies. Well, even the hospitals, as you know, particularly in Orlando, the two large systems here have come out with their own product lines. Sure. And they've gone to people like Disney mm-hmm. and some of the other yep. large employers and said, you don't even need to go through an insurance company. Yeah. And the reality is, is yep. we're not unique here in Orlando. In fact, we're behind the times that's because right. if you go up to Pittsburgh yep. or you go up to Philly, you've got... Penn Med and you've got UPMC. You know, UPMC has been around and and an enormous player for at least a decade. And and really, they've seen commercial insurers have to find a whole new area to to be active, and it's it's a it's a different game. Exactly. Now, Orlando's kind of weird because instead of UPMC having this one major player and and Penn Med having one, we have two. Correct. And and they're. I don't know. I don't well, know where it's going to go. we have two, and then we have the independents. So sure, there's right. three. There's three. Oh, three yeah, groups, really for sure. Groups, yeah. yeah. And and I wonder, you know, HCA, these plans only They're kind work. of on the periphery here They're, in Atlanta. Well, they are, but, yeah. but, but nationally, they're larger than everything. Exactly. But so when you look at the way insurance works, it is very regional. Yeah. And the idea of a UPMC or or what Orlando's groups are working on are it's it's local yeah. and it works here. Yeah. Now for HCA to do something similar nationwide would be right. very difficult. Yeah. Well, you know, in the Orlando market, you got HCA has a hospital in Sanford, Central right. Florida Regional. Mm-hmm. They have the Oviedo Medical Center. Right. They have the. Uh, uh, Central, uh, Osceola. Osceola in Kissimmee. And then, of course, now the new hospital in Lake Nona. Yep. Yep. And they're going to and they're going to have a hospital out in the villages. Right. They're building so they're one expect- up in the villages. So they are. They're not central. Yep. So they're they're in the periphery, which is yep. a, a pretty similar model. They do another. But but when you jump to Nevada and see what their model looks like, it looks very different. Yep. So in order to have a single healthcare product, that involves it. You really can't yeah. do it. And, and as you indicated earlier, there's a lot of regional plans, but there's not one as large as HCA in the country. Correct. Overall. Correct. Yeah, for, for yeah. healthcare. For total number of hospitals. Right. Absolutely. Or, yeah. and actually the training training systems too, total number of yeah. residents. Yep. But again, it's, it's so regionally motivated as it has to be. And when we talk about the quality of care in healthcare across the nation, we know it's different in different areas. We know that if you need a kidney transplant, you know, there are certain places that you need to go. So right. you have to be in the right. know. Right. And and the the truly what we've seen in our value-based care is the the delivery of the care is directly connected to the economics. Right. So you just can't use that same model. I mean, I think that's Mitt Romney did something in the Northeast that would completely that, that worked yep. that would completely fail in Atlanta. And then right. and then let me kind of close this section out with, you know, we talk about the biggest issue is administrative burdens. And then we went off on this discussion of value based and pay for performance. Right. The bottom line is, how do we as a healthcare system balance the two? I bet we're not going to answer it in the next. Session. No, we're not. <laughs> and we may do a whole show on this. Right. But it's all about how do you balance the two? incentivize physicians for performance and outcomes, but yet not blow up the system from a health, from a cost standpoint. You got to tell me. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. But Dr. Mark will be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. 
Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we've got a third segment to chat about. I thought we, uh, you know, it's funny, we had a a long discussion about just a few topics, but it it really, it's it's important information, and I hope that we were able to, like, spread that message in a clear way, because as a healthcare consumer, you don't really have any play in you don't this. see you don't the behind the scenes right and so yep. you, you kind of hear things that are happening right things like gee my doctor retired like way way before i thought he or she would right. but, but i don't know why th- you don't know why yeah, and so right. so these are the things that are to play and and you know hopefully we get to educate a few people and, and get sure. things moving well, on i think that that conversation that we had been both segments this 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 evening dr mark really gives our listeners an idea of you know we talk about becoming an yeah. educated healthcare consumer. It is, yeah. But we also talk about having a conversation about how to navigate our complex healthcare system. And it is, and it's it yeah. gets more complex yeah. every year. And and I think that uh, you know we're we're going to see new additions and renditions of all, all these things going forward. And yeah. hopefully we'll talk about them and educate folks and keep yeah. things rolling. We'll we'll do a show down the road on. What is value-based care, and how does it actually impact the patient, yeah. the consumer? Because I agree with you. I think we'll do that. It, you know, all of these different models come and go, yep. right? Yep. And you know, fee-for-service, HMOs, the whole gatekeeper plans. Yep. yep. But I do, and maybe it's just positive thinking because it, we see the value in that. Well, no, you're absolutely care. right, Doctor Mark. But I yep. think this one's going to have a longer run, yep. and it may save us from a lot of the concerns that we had a decade ago about do we need a single payer system, which really was a very frightening thought right. when that payer would have been yeah. the government, right? Well, you know, a lot of this stuff is born out of CMS, Centers for Medicare Medicaid, under the arm of CMMI, the C- Centers for Medicare Medicaid Innovation. And, yeah. you know, they constantly work on products and models that improve that very right. thing we're talking about for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, and, and you don't hear any of those discussions, no. yeah. um, which I guess it would only make sense. It's sort of the, you know, the thing that's going on behind yeah. the curtain. Yeah. And but there they there is a tremendous amount of data yeah. that the issue becomes who all is involved in that conversation. Yeah. So so the government is the largest purchaser of health care. Exactly. And so it it's that whole system exists because it's such a big part well, of the budget. Think about it, Dr. Martin. Let's go through the numbers real quick. You yep. got three hundred and forty million Americans. Right. You got sixty five million Medicare. You got eighty Medicaid. Right. And then you've got the CHIP, the children's health insurance programs. Right. And other areas, healthy kids of Medicare Medicaid. So 
more than half the country right. is under government programs. under government programs. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a huge piece. So what that tells you is, well, I mean, if we're looking at saving dollars, okay, mm-hmm. but if we're looking at saving dollars at the cost of quality of care, that's going to come back and bite them in the rear. Exactly. And I, I hope and believe that that's recognized well, today more than it has Well, I think value-based care has tried to nip that – uh, yeah. In the bud, really, yeah, right? Oh, totally. To, to make sure that it is That's all about outcomes, right. and we're going right. to pay for outcomes, right? Because there's a lot yeah. of a lot of ways that you can spend a bunch of money and yeah. get get return, or, or ways yeah. that you're going to get no return. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, in you know, we're the highest cost health system in the world, right? By double the next um, mature country, and yet we don't have the best life expectancy. Now, I mean, yeah. well, I think we're we still have better performance. But but the thing that stands out is the amount of profit in the system as it just dwarfs the rest of the world. Right. And and there's your discrepancy. Right. I mean, when you look at administrative costs, you know, our administrative costs are absolutely (coughs) greater by by magnitudes than most countries. And I I think I mean, that's that's what the show has been about since day one is is. how do you how do you get that under control and still maintain quality? So so if. Innovation in government is actually a term that we can use and not mm-hmm. not laugh. Um, that if that innovation is to occur, there's certain lessons that that hopefully we're we're learning here. That okay, we need to change this, but we need to keep right. that. And, well, you know, and that being that value base, that that evaluation of of performance exactly. and outcome yeah. is the most important metric. Well, the one thing you know about healthcare is changed look at it tomorrow and the next day and it's already changed oh yeah yeah so you got to right. keep up right. with this stuff but but when you have a group that's just looking at ways to change it you you better believe that's the way it's going to exactly. happen so exactly good conversation dr mark yep yeah, but we did so we just mentioned those those great profits and yep. Uh, yep. i mean that kind of takes yep. us to the next story that you were you really yeah. pointed out yeah. before the well, day you know centene mm-hmm. is a based in uh St. Louis, Missouri. They're one of the largest Medicaid providers in the country. This past year, they rolled out. They actually, they're in ten states right. with twelve Medicaid programs, representing about two and a half million Medicaid lives. Mm-hmm. They they just were cleared by the feds for their acquisition of Magellan Health, wow. which is a huge Farm D company. Right, yeah. right. And so they've been at this for a while, but they needed the approval to close this multi billion dollar acquisition and it was announced that uh, as of January 4th they they ex- they expected for this to be completed and it has been completed it has been completed it, it, took, been it took about completed. a yep. year from announcement took a little to over this year. happening yep. and so what's it going to mean to us us being you know yep. the, the pe- people well that are, that are it's going to offer it'll allow Centene to offer healthcare solutions across both the physical and mental health settings for improved outcomes right. at lower price Magellan Health is a big mental health company right and they've uh, they've really got the programs and they've been a force in mental health for many many years it just didn't come to light until the pandemic when this thing was exaggerated like it sure, was during sure. the pandemic but i think centene you know a number of other things other than this 2.2 billion dollar acquisition of magellan last year they bought wellcare health plans which is the medicare arm for an estimated 17 yeah, no, billion they, they spent about 20 billion dollars yeah. So yeah. so where 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 are those profit I mean that is 
$20 billion billion for a company that five years ago, did it exist? I mean, I I hadn't heard of them. Actually, do you you remember back a couple shows ago, we talked about a Medicaid plan in 14 years, took it and sold it for a billion dollars? Yes. That was well care. And then WellCare got into the Medicare business Mm -hmm. and becoming a Medicare Advantage. And just recently, uh, Centene bought them. So that's – and and it's, again, a consolidation. It is, but they're buying it with with cash that has to have been earned and and stuffed away. Florida, Georgia, and the Southeast WellCare is very strong with Medicare Advantage plans. And I don't know of all the other states they're in, but they're in quite a few. Yeah. I think they're in Texas, too. Now, Magellan is in more states than Centene. Yeah, national. So now Centene is now a national company. Centene, yeah. They've they've been in 10 states for a while. They bought up all these smaller Medicaid plans Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all over the the eastern part of the United States. Yeah, we've talked about how how the contracts from one plan to the other went and yep. and that was that was one of my last straws for yep. the for the whole plan. But. Yeah, the 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 issue, the message here Dr. Mark is how big do these companies get before they become monopolistic and right. then prices go up. Well, I you my, know where I'm yeah, going with right. this. Right. But yeah. my my curiosity is in order to make these acquisitions said buyer has yep. to have the cash to do it. Or a huge right? credit line. Right. And and so they turn around with this cash and then yep. send it over to, to essentially yep. stockholders or individuals or investors. Yep. So and this is cash that has come in through delivering health care. Right. Right. That yep. is now going out as just it's yep. their profit dollars. Yep. And those numbers so t- in, in, in a you know, company that's in 10 states that's yep. got $20 billion yep. to spend, it just doesn't Well, you know, we talk well. about the Medicare trust fund. We've talked about that over and over. Yeah, right. And that eventually uh, – well, originally it was to expire in 2023. Then they moved it to 24. Now it's 26, 26. meaning, meaning uh, become uh, – Bankrupt, basically, Bankrupt. Yeah, right. by 2026. If, if, if something doesn't change, yeah. If, if we can rein in all these third-party profits yeah, that's what in I'm Medicare and Medicaid, right. we can afford health care right. in this country, Dr. No, that, Mark. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what the yeah. difference is between us and the rest of the world yeah. is the industry of buying and selling insurance companies creates all yeah. – this is – uh, it it is money that is not tied to delivering health care. Patient care, not right. at all. Right. It's yeah. made off of patient health care. That's, right. That's right. right. It's made off of premiums. and pharmacy, and but it's not made off of. Think about you it. Know, it. Last it's not delivering year, care. four point three trillion. Twenty thirty going to eight trillion dollars, and currently the administrative burden of the U.S. health care system is forty percent of that. Now, I do believe that once we go from four to eight, that forty percent is going to come down sure but still it's a massive number yeah no it's and it's it's you can't we can't handle that slope no that direction absolutely not and but but that's that's what we want to do is we want to pick apart where do we find a trillion dollars so i just found 20 i found 20 billion (laughs) so i mean you know and it's there and that's in one example that's right and the and these acquisitions and mergers are going on all the time yeah you know they're they're obviously they're they're being evaluated, but but none, nonetheless yeah. well, they're me, always. Let in the me news. change gears a little mm-hmm. bit and talk about you know we talk about the pressure on independent physicians. Yes. Well, there's a new lawsuit alleges that Duke in North Carolina is working to destroy a very large private physician group. Duke and its health 
system are being sued for allegedly working to destroy a physician group that it was associated with the institutions and force employers' docs to work directly for Duke. And this was uh, PDC, Private Diagnostic Clinic, gotcha. in, 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 North, in Durham County in North Carolina. And uh, Private Diagnostic Clinic is a, not for pro- is a for-profit company that employs physicians that actually do work and research in the Duke system. But now they're trying to completely take over the thing on an unfriendly takeover. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure against, you know, once again – Politics are all local and healthcare is all local. You know, Duke is another group that is growing. Large health system. It's very large. It's growing. It's looking at places like we talked about, like UPMC, which is, again, a, you know, a education and training based model. Right. And so they sort of grab that reputation. And and for, for you and I, I mean, we just don't like to see. Physicians that are independently practicing be forced into a large health system. system, right? Exactly. And, and people say, yeah. "Well, they could move." Well, I mean, well, yeah. that's not fair. Well, this you know? this lawsuit's going to go on until probably July, but the bottom line is. Uh, the private diagnostic group, the physicians, claimed that if this happens, it would they would lose 400 of their 1,850 physicians and basically put their clinic out of business. Yeah, I mean. Another pressure yeah. on independent physicians, right. Dr. Mark. Right. No, you and I have spent our whole life working on yeah, this. Yeah, that's that's just hard. That's hard to, yeah. hard, hard to deal with. Yeah. And, and, I do. and there's one other thing. Would pay them less money for more work. Well, sure. And once they're employed, 100% of the time, their productivity is going to drop. Not because they're bad people, because every study that's ever been done, when you take an independent worker, an independent business person, and then employ them doing exactly the same thing, productivity drops. Not just in healthcare. And quality does, too. So so it's not... But but the people that are behind these moves are seeing what they're doing as, oh, man, this is the next greatest thing. And they just don't see that, Larry. Yep. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. But Dr. Mark will be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. I am Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we're going to bring up our last segment of the day, Larry. We have uh, kind of flown through previous segments. I hope the uh, listeners have, uh, have found that some of our kind of 
boring ranting and raving yeah. isn't isn't uh, isn't so much that they want to change the uh, station yeah. but, here. But you know, it's, I think it's important other, stuff. But I think the other thing too, Doctor Mark, we've given a little bit of bird's eye view behind the scenes healthcare. Yep. And I think our our if you're going to become an educated healthcare consumer yep. and learn to, how to navigate the healthcare system, you need some information on this kind of stuff. Well, Larry, everything that we talk about is it's not just in trade news. It's right. in the general news, right. right? It's just, I think a lot of these mergers and acquisitions get looked over and, you know, lots of different yeah. names that you're not familiar with. You right. know, when, right. a, when a car company that you're familiar with takes over another car company, you have, you kind of understand what's going on mm-hmm. there. We've all been in that business in one way or another and involved there. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is different, you know, it groups is. like Centene who I, are not a, not a household name. Yeah. And, you know, so it is, it, well, but, you know, but, I've, but it's I've out heard there. people. People this year, I mean, again, we're in a new year. We're in only the 20th day of the new year. And, you know, we are urging people to go get their annual wellness visit, to get their checkup, just like you would your right. car, to get your baseline labs mm-hmm. and know where you are to know how to maintain good health no, during 2022. Good, good message. We, we got yeah. away from that. but We, we did get away from yep, that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, January's been, this has been a January unlike previous, but you're yes. right. That's, that yep. is, that's something that we do yep. try to preach, and it's very important to uh, you know, if you haven't haven't made that appointment for that annual well care yeah. visit, it's it's time to do so. Absolutely. And so, uh, in the last few years, we've seen some of those visits go virtual, yeah. Larry. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Uh, during the pandemic, telehealth exploded, yeah, as you know. it's huge, yeah. But in the recent months, U.S. has seen a significant drop in telehealth after the rapid growth in 2020 to the tune of 40% last month compared to the average of any month in 2020. Yeah, 40% drop. Yeah. yeah. So, so we had a yeah. we had a multiplicity of great gains, yeah. right? We had, it, you know, 500% increases. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing some drop. Yep. You know, it's interesting, Larry. Um, I was uh, talking to the talking to the med students yesterday. Okay, and so right now, so in medical school, you start to interview for your residency programs in your fourth year, right? Mm-hmm. And so these these res, these medical students have to choose like a they choose what they want to go into, and then b they have to pick residency programs that they want to interview at. Now, historically, you got on, got in your car or got on a plane and you flew to the places and you, you got introduced and that was the, the way you picked your residency and that's the way they picked you. Well, with the pandemic, everything went virtual. Right. A hundred percent virtual, right? Yep. And what that created was the opportunity for these students to interview at places all over the country in the same day okay. without travel. Okay. It allowed the the institutions to interview more people because they could really schedule it up and focus on they didn't have to think about transporting people from one place to another. And so so it really changed the way this was done. Right. So the students asked, right. Right. Well, what do you think these are third year students? So they what do you think we're gonna be doing a year from now? Are we gonna be traveling or are we gonna be still working this telemedicine angle of interviews good question and and i i think that in this particular side of the industry that people recognize the the financial benefits of doing it this way hey zoom has become a massive business uh tool oh yeah yeah so and we can't i I don't want to use their their uh, brand name until they sponsor us but telehealth we we have to we have to get them we'll have to get a sponsorship there but but yeah yeah, no telehealth it, it is huge and and i think 
a percentage is going to stay. So this is one example with these interviews and these med students. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to stick. Hope right, I'm right. Right. I think but, so too. But in other places, you do have doctors and nurses that are back in their offices and offices have overhead mm-hmm. and you sort of need to justify being in the space that you're in. And that's where we're seeing this drop. We, we're seeing a drop well, until, but it's still there. Yeah, It's, it's still there, there well, more than it's ever been. You, well, let me throw a number out here. Yep. During the pandemic, Medicare FIFA service telehealth visits averaged around 840,000 in 2019, went to 52 million in 2020. Yeah. That's a jump. That's a jump. So, that's, so that's, e- even dropping serious. that by forty uh, percent, yeah. we're still well ahead of our of our numbers. Yeah, you're still you know, looking at thirty million telehealth yeah. visits a year. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. We said we we're going to get some type of response because you know part of that telemedicine is patient driven. Yeah. So part of it is patients that don't want to leave their house and for fear of of getting sick and so that that hopefully is starting to drop down and people are getting out right. and about more and kind of renewing renewing that way that they act so exactly. yeah it, it's, it'll find its it'll find its new space it's not going yep. away i think so yeah yep. you know it, i even talked to our primary care physicians who use them more than the specialists do sure. that many of them are taking an afternoon a week Right. And doing and scheduling their telehealth visits. Yep. yep. Well, I was in a physician. And they're seeing like 20 patients in an afternoon. Yeah. I was in a physician's office, a friend of yours and mine, and mm-hmm. they, he works long hours and finishes up seeing patients between 5 and 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so I was going in to talk to him at the end of his day. So at the end of that part of his day is when he sat down in front of his his uh, screen yeah. and he started his telehealth telehealth visits. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, it, it is, people are making it part of their schedule. Right. And as soon as you do that, it's, it's here for a longer period of time for right. sure. Right. What else we got, Larry? Uh, you know, we, there've been some things, you know, every year the U S department of health and human services mm-hmm. issues a payment rule. And we talk about priorities for health insurance markets. And we're really talking about what the Affordable Care Act, health insurance markets, and the Biden administration is really, what are their goals? What are they looking to do? What are the priorities in health insurance markets? And one of the big, and I can tell you, there's three actual categories that the Biden administration's vision is. And obviously, it's to continue to facilitate access to public health insurance coverage. Now, does that mean that the Biden administration wants to move to a single pay-up system? I don't think that's what that means. No, I think that I think looking back, they know that's not an effective that's strategy. Right. But but I think there's a balance there of continuing to promote the Affordable Care Act to right. promote entitlement programs for people that qualify under Medicaid. And also, as you know, we got two million new Medicare beneficiaries entering the system every year between now sure. and 2030. Yeah, yep. So I think that's where that is. Obviously, the next one, and we've talked on this, but we're going to do a whole show, is advancing health equity, Dr. Mark. Yes, yes. Big, big issue. And it's really, it's a bipartisan issue. It is. Um, I think every everybody agrees that that it's uh, it's something that we, we need to correct. Yep. And I, I mean, I think it's, it's a, it's, I like it because it's dividing up a much bigger issue that, that people are going to have a hard time swallowing all at yep. once. Yep. And so if we just, if we start at looking in, in different areas, if we look yep. at areas of education, 
Same issue, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So in healthcare, which is what we talk about. Health and, education, yep. education equity is same thing. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, so for healthcare, it's the data is well, there and because the outcomes are in a lot of ways easier to measure than in education. But you know what the sad part is? When I mention the word health equity or advancing health equity like Biden's uh, proposal has been, mm-hmm. people immediately go to a racial well, it's more than that environment, and I mean, it is not I mean, that at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it 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 is that, yeah. but it's yeah. much more than that. But it's know? not racist. Oh no 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 no. It's it's it's, you know, it's the in fact, I will tell you, we are actually having conversations, Doctor Mark, and I think you know this, with our own organization, as doing more with primary care physicians in rural markets. Yes. And and introducing our value based programs right. into these rural markets. Right. That's all about advancing yeah. health equity. Right. So what we're what yeah. we're saying is, if you pull out a map and drop a pen. And drop another pin. We want those two locations to have the same access and same outcomes. That's right. That's what health equity is. Access the key. Yep. 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 And so now when you dig a level down, you'll see that a great deal of that inequity yep. comes up with racial issues, right. it does. with economic issues, you know, with access issues. But but that's yep. what health equity is. And, you know, you really you would really hope that if you're, you know, if your father needs a open open heart surgery yep. and he yep. doesn't live in the same town you live in, that he doesn't have to travel, that he can stay right where he is and have that done. And that is not the case if you want the same outcomes. Yeah, well, let me give an example. One of the policies of the Biden administration in this health equity, and it actually rolls over to consumer protection, is they want 90 percent of all insured enrollees in a rural county would have to be within a 30 mile or a 40 minute drive of a primary care physician and be able to get a routine PCP visit within 15 days. Okay, so what do we change to make that happen? Do we need more primary care physicians in rural areas? Because um, certainly you're not, you're, we're not saying that people need to pick up and move. I think it's it's more introducing value based care and a coordination of care in these rural markets, Dr. Right. Mark. Right. And that, and you don't necessarily have to have. Surely, within an hour's drive, there's a primary care physician probably anywhere in this country. Yeah, I'm I would sure say some within an hour yeah, drive. Right, right. It may be a country doctor. I mean, if you're not in Appalachia, that's you right. Know, if you're or not, the Yukon. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's it's these are the kind of things that that uh, when we talk about promoting and ensuring and enhancing protections for consumers right, and right. patients, this is what we're really talking about. One of the other things is, you know, right now there are over a hundred different plans that people can choose uh, in the marketplace in the ACA, <laughs> and but the problem is there are very few standardized plans among all insurance payers that offer ACA programs. Right. So one of the things that the Biden administration is trying to do, and I completely agree with this, there has to be a couple of standardized plans that are apples to apples yep. that people know what they're buying. No, it's, it's way too complicated. We talk about it all the time. Way, Dr. way, Mark. way too complicated. Yep. Yep. You know, I mean, yep. it's ab- absolutely, we sit down and look at these things every day. And to think about how much yeah. time that you and I stare yeah. at the page and, and to yeah. pick things right. and then go down to the people are, 
are just spitting in the wind trying to figure out, you know, what, what's what's going to sure. come back at them. And no, it's way, way, way too complicated. Yeah. Well, you know, you asked a minute ago, how do we accomplish that 30 mile or 40 minute drive? Mm-hmm. It's really about network adequacy with defined terms of quantitative time and distance. And that's in that's, setting those standards. Right. That's how. Well, yeah. well that's how that's we're how me- you do that's, it. Yeah. Well, that's how we're measuring it. Yeah. That's right. But but the question becomes, you know, with the the provider workforce shrinking, how how do we do a better job with right, that? Right. And then going back to to you know these different ACA programs and plans, you know, you're getting the same product. And and why is one plan paying your physician group different than another plan? That's right. And it just yeah. it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Well, so. we're running out of time, but let me mention one more thing. You know, we talked the other week about the percentage of total premium dollar paid for patient care. Well, one of the things that the insurance are going to be held accountable for is eighty percent of those premiums have to be paid in individual and small employer groups and 85% in larger groups. And if you remember, we talked about the OIG having more rain and making sure that this is happening going forward. Right. So the, so that could curb profit yep. to some extent yep. or at least right. start to regulate you know how, how things are going. If you remember in 2021, insurance companies rebated over $2 billion to enrollees. Right. Now, my say is take that out of the premium Yeah, and maybe health insurance is a little more affordable. That's a good ending statement. Great being with you tonight, Dr. Martin. See you next week. Okay. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.